ladies and gentlemen. This is David Mercatani with another episode of Matt Chat. Today I am joined by Mike Powell from Oak Park River Forest High School and inducting into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. Coach, thanks so much for coming on the show. Well, thanks for the invite. It's an honor to be on the show. Well, I get to talk to you off air and we have such great conversations and you're a really insightful guy and you, and you're doing some some unique things right now so I wanted to kind of share that with uh with the audience. So Well, that uh makes me sound a lot cooler than I am, but thank you. <laughs> I think we're all trying to be a little bit cooler than we are. <laughs> I've been I've been working hard since I was about 12. <laughs> How's that going? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I always like to start at the beginning because I, I meet you guys during the middle of the process, and I never really know how did you get started in wrestling. Well, my dad, uh, when I was five, I was you know bouncing off the walls. I think I had just um, <clears throat> climbed a bookshelf in my house and pulled it down on top of me. <laughs> you know, they were looking. You know, I was a I was a madman, and then they uh, my dad got me into Boy Scouts and karate, and I kept getting into fights and you know that type of thing and being a little too physical so he saw an ad for wrestling at the at the time there was an ad, an ad in the paper and at the time the the coaches the youngest kid was nine or ten other than me and then uh um you know, he, he convinced the coach to let me out for the team and the rest is history so did you enjoy it right away no no my first practice my dad dropped me off I, I, I remember, remember it to this day. I was 45 pounds, and um, I hid most of the practice in the bathroom, pretended to have a stomachache. So, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it was, it was scary. <laughs> so, but, but we all take our beatings along the way. I think that's one of the cool things about wrestling is it's very few people avoid the uh, – the the hard formative breaking in process. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, my, my dad was a pilot and he left for about two weeks afterwards, so I didn't go back because my mom was soft and my dad was tough, you know. And he came back and he said, "No, no, no. You said you were going to go out for the team. You're going out for the team. You're going to finish the season." And, you know, by the end of the season, I was competing and enjoying myself, and I realized I don't have to wrestle twelve year olds, yeah. you know, from other clubs. But from our club, I was the only little guy for a while. So, and they actually kind of took me on. I was kind of like a mascot. I remember, <laughs> you know, they they would all wrestle with me. I remember a guy named Matt Mena who called me a stud, and I didn't know what a, I didn't know what the word meant. So I went home and I asked my dad, and he explained, explained to me what it was. And I thought I was the coolest thing in the world. So I went to school the next day and told everybody I was a stud. So it's interesting how language like that makes a difference. Uh, yes, we have some some mutual coaching friends, and I won't you know shout them out here, but they're very good at that. They're, they're very good at making you feel as good as you can feel. And I think it makes a difference. You know, yes. even at our age, I think it makes a difference. Yeah. So you, you remember those good things and the bad things that uh, coaches said to you more than the coach himself usually knows, you know? Yeah. The so, words linger, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. So walk me through your high school career and the decision-making process to go to Indiana. Um, I didn't have much of a career. I was, I was a kind of a, kind of a wayward kid. So I was ineligible twice second for the second semester, my freshman and junior year. My junior year, I probably would have been an All-State or maybe even made the state finals. Um, but my senior year, I got it together, kind of turned my life around, was super disciplined. You know, I wasn't, I was a kind of a party kid, you know, kind of, you know, just a wild child. So I calmed everything down, broke up with my girlfriend, told my friends I'd see you guys in a year and uh, kind of honed in and, and was lucky enough to stay healthy with a state championship. So I was recruited late, which wasn't uncommon then, but, um, well, especially in your case, especially in your yeah. case. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, and in all fairness, I was good. I mean, I really didn't have a close match except for the state finals that year. And I was, and I won by four, you know, I had four takedowns in the state finals. So I was, I, mean, I was pretty good. I was pretty talented. I just was, a lot of, you know, Illinois took a pass on me. I still, Mark Johnson, and I still joke about it when I see him and I tell him the greatest thing that ever happened for the culture of your team was not recruiting Mike Powell. So, um, <laughs> you're a culture killer back then, huh? <laughs> that's, right, that's right. I was good for about, I was, I stayed focused for about a year and a half. Two years. So, but, um, 
Um, it came down to Oklahoma and Indiana. Michigan was in the, in the picture a little bit, but it came down to Oklahoma and Indiana. And I had watched Dave Schultz beat either one of the Shears or Mark Schultz in the Midlands finals. I can never remember who, but my brother was at Iowa at the, at the time and he said, you know, I saw Goldman at a party at the biggest back I'd ever seen. You know, he was the strongest looking guy. His neck was like, you know, and Goldman yeah. was just, he was a bad dude. Right. So, um, you know, it was kind of, th- there was that factor and my best friend had committed to play football at Indiana. So that was huge. And he was kind of my, he was kind of the straight narrow guy in, in our group. And he was the guy that kind of kept me on track. We worked out together and, you know, he was, um, almost a mentor as well as a friend in terms of how he lived his life and his priorities. So I knew being around him would be good for me. So. Yeah, and I, I want to go back because, you know, I, I have things I, I make notes here on who I want to ask, what I want to ask about. But you said, you know, you talked about your freshman and junior years of, of academic ineligibility. And then you talked about you drew a line in the sand. You know, your senior year, you know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, misquote you exactly, but I, I went on the straight and narrow, told my buddies I'd see him in a year, broke up with my girlfriend, et cetera. What was the catalyst for that? And and for somebody that wasn't disciplined, why were you able to be that disciplined? Because it's a it's a it's a basically a 180 is I was what I hear you telling me. Yeah, you know, well, I kind of knew at that point my grades were obviously terrible. You know, I was, I was very close to being um, a, a junior college guy, not a non qualifier, and I knew I had to I had to get my grades up, and I knew I had to do something in wrestling if I was in school. You know, I was one of these kids who like. Even though I was screwing up and people were telling me I was going to be sweeping floors for a living, I never had any doubt that I was going to be a successful person. It was just a matter of when I decided to stop being an idiot. So, you know, I can turn it around pretty easily. You know, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, you know, and I'm kind You're of an talented. extreme personality. Well, I don't know that I'm, I have, I don't always, you know, I didn't always have great confidence in competition, but in terms of life confidence, I was born believing I could do just about anything. And, um, you know, I don't really want to hear, you know, I, I can, you know, I just think I can accomplish just about anything in my life if I put my mind to it. It's a matter of putting my mind to it. Discipline and uh, hard work uh, I can do. They just aren't always, They, you know, sometimes it's nice to have leisure too. So, <laughs> I, know. I mean, you, you know, it, it, it was good. Wrestling was, um, you know, it was a sport that I needed and uh, taught me some great lessons. So that two of them were learned in high school, particularly in my junior year when I probably was good enough to be a, a state champ or a state finalist. And yeah, I just, I just blew it. Some of it was probably cowardice pressure and some of it was just me being undisciplined. So leisure time is a very kind word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it can go in a lot of different directions. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, you know, you, you, you see kids like, um, Chance Marstedler and some kids that, you know, that their public, their struggles have been a little bit more public. Mine probably would have been, I wasn't obviously a Chance Marstedler level talent, but, um, you know, you, I see those kids and I, you know, you hope that they can learn the same lessons, uh, in wrestling and maybe <laughs> not have so much leisure in their life, but, uh, have a little bit more, you know, as it looks like he looked great against Imar. So, you know, you, you look at guys like that and, and it, it really is a struggle for some, for some guys to, to balance, uh, you know, work and play. So I'm older than you. And I mean, and I grew up in the Cleaver household, so I really wasn't allowed to get into too much trouble. But I do know that growing up now, everything is so public. You know, oh, yeah. you can't blow your nose without, you know, like I, six people I don't tweeting think, about it. You know, I don't think I would ever finished a wrestling career in high school. No, I was so stupid. You know, and I, I hate to say that. Maybe I would have, you know, but then certainly not in college with, the, you know, so. You look back and, uh, yeah, I'm very grateful that I, that I got to come up at the time I did and, and that, um, I was able to, you know, maintain a semblance of a wrestling career through some tumultuous years. And I, I feel bad for kids now. Yeah, it's hard. It's, they, they live in glass houses, you know, and it's, and it's difficult and it doesn't, you know, I don't mean to make an excuse for bad behavior, but, um, when we were young, you were able to make mistakes and not be shamed you know, nationwide, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and I certainly did some, some silly things, but you know, I never, you know, 
I have no doubt that Kent Marcel is a really good kid and a really good person who's just made a couple of bad decisions. You know what I mean? I don't mean to bring him up because everybody knows his name, but sure. there's, there's 10,000 kids like that right now in, in the sport of wrestling who need wrestling to stay in their lives and need to work some things out so that they can become productive people. And so I feel bad for these guys in this, we're in the kind of wild west of social media and the internet and, you know, I'm sure it'll be regulated in the future. But for now, you know, the, even the, the smallest thing can, can ruin a career, can set you back years, or, you know. It's easy to get derailed. Yeah. yeah, it's easy so, to get derailed. And, sure and, is. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the common themes, I think, for the folks I interview that are, all you guys are big, big accomplishers, but all of you've needed wrestling in your life for one reason or another. You know, like, yeah. and even for me, like, I grew up and I went to private school and minorities weren't treated very well there. And right. I, I begged my parents to go to public school because my private school didn't have a wrestling team. And all of a sudden I was on a team and it didn't matter what I looked like. And it didn't matter what my last name was. Like I was one of the guys. And, right. you know, for you, it and, was the key. And you were super successful, right? Uh, yeah, I was I mean, okay. A, I won a few more than a, I lost, you know. That's a, well, you know, that's a builder. I mean, that's – um. That's a meaningful thing, and you see it in wrestling all the time. Is the kind of the kid who maybe is a little bit socially awkward, but it's tough. You know, I, yeah. I can't tell you how many kids have graduated our program. You know, certainly different people in terms of how they view themselves from the time they were fourteen to eighteen. You know that. Yeah. Kind of, you yeah. find yourself. So. Yeah, for sure. So I know a little bit about your career at Indiana. Um, fill in the blanks for me. You know, from from you know once you left high school and, and, and went there. Well, I was super raw. You know, I think I was a pretty good athlete and uh, um, pretty good, you know, pretty gifted physically. But, you know, when I went there, I remember drilling with Dwayne the first first couple weeks of the time where we could drill, drill with the coach. And he said, show me your high crotch. And I didn't know what a high crotch was. <laughs> so he, goes, he goes, man, I just gave you a pretty big scholarship. I think I did. I was probably just drawing a play, but I remember this. You know, so from there, about 18 months later, I All-American. And I, and I actually was pretty, you know, I, I had my fair share of fun, but I was pretty disciplined. Even if I was out late, I was getting up early in the morning and getting a drill in. And I loved going in with Dwayne or, or Kelber or Moran Kartalava, and they were huge helps to me technically. And, um, so I got pretty good and then I all American and then my head got big again and I pretty much pissed my career away. So. Um, you know, I probably, I definitely was good enough to be a four-time All-American, be in the finals a couple times. I just, I uh, just kept, you know, I had some injuries, but they almost always came when I was out of shape, when I should have been in shape, and I probably babied myself a little bit on a couple of them. But, um, <clears throat> I, 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 you know, I don't mind saying it. I and I don't, and I, I don't ever want to be a revisionist history guy. I definitely wasn't tough enough to to hack the big, big time. Once I realized I was good enough to be up there, I was kind of scared and I kind of, kind of self-sabotaged myself, I think. And, um, you know, that, that, uh, probably the greatest lesson I've ever learned in my life. So, and, you know, I've never asked you this, but, but I'm really interested. Like to me, you know, guys told me how good you were and you all American as a freshman in division one after being, and I don't mean this critically, but as a one-time state champion, you know, like, you know, there's a lot of four-timers that, and I know how good Illinois is, and I, and back then it was probably two classes, not three, correct? Yeah, two classes. Yeah, yeah. so I mean. Yeah, and I, and, and the, I mean, the guy I beat in the state finals, I think, won the cadets the year before. Yeah. And he was good. Yeah, no, no, so I mean, double-A in Illinois, is, double a in Illinois back then is legendary, so I get yeah. it. But, you know, for you to make that jump and then for you to say, I got scared, that's really almost surprising to me, A, knowing you as well as I do, and B, I guess I think of it like, man, why would you be scared? You were just top eight in the country. So what was the thought process there? Well, I, you know, here's what I've put my finger on. Obviously, years of, uh, you know, I spent years trying to figure it out, but um, I think it was a, a, I think it had a lot to do with narcissism and this kind of persona of bravado that I built and, you know, was super alpha around all of my friends. And I talked about how great I was and, and you build this kind of infallible persona 
and then you have to go out on the wrestling mat and and there's a chance that maybe you're not that guy and it's just easier to have an injury or to self-sabotage yourself so that you don't put everything you have into it and find out maybe you aren't that guy you know everybody talked about me winning the NCAAs afterwards you know I wasn't in I wasn't at Iowa it wasn't a regular thing. Now, Roger Chandler was on my team. He was very good. We had some good guys. But my friends, amongst my friends, I was by far and away the best wrestler. And so there was all this talk. And, and I and I fed it. I you know I fed the fire and I flamed it. And, yeah. Um. You know, but not, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a second. You're, I'm all alone. What if I can't beat Brandon Slay or Joe Williams or, you know what I mean? And, these, yeah. and that, I mean, that, that was really the talk then. And I wasn't as good as those guys, but I... I was very physically gifted. I, I, I certainly had the physical ability to wrestle with Tony Roby or Ernest Benyon or any of those guys that were in Mark Branch or any of those guys. You know, I don't know that I could have beaten them. I wasn't a great competitor, but, but I, but physically I certainly could have stood toe to toe with them. So, you know, you think about the guys that were around my weight at the time. Um, and, uh, but the, I think the difference between me and them is, was humility. You know, I really do. And I look at it now and you look at a guy like uh, Kyle Snyder or Logan Steep or any of these kids now that are Zane Rutherford and that's what they have. And, uh, you know, I know there's still the gunslinger out there. There's always one or two guys like that. But for most part, guys that are able to compete at their highest level, they're hungry and they're humble. And I wasn't either. You know, I was I was scared and full of hot air. So, yeah, um, yeah I see that happen a lot in, a, in in with with kids I've coached. You know, I've had a couple of kids that really reminded me of me who had trouble, um, you know, performing at a you know really at the, at the at their very best because the focus was on uh, you know wins and losses rather than being your best, and it was and it was on you know. Oh, what if somebody pops, you know, pops the bubble and, and, and people find out I'm not as great as I pretend to be. So that was me in a nutshell. Hubris is something I've battled my whole life and, you know, probably will continue to battle until the end. So, yeah. And we'll get into how I met you. But one of the things that I found was really interesting talking to you when I didn't know you at all was you have this way of very humbly saying I was really good. <laughs> well, so I don't mind saying that, you know, so, you know, I don't I don't want to come off like I'm bragging. It, it, I was I was very fit. Anybody who wrestled me, anybody who practiced with me, I mean, I, you know. I was really good in the practice room, you know, what I mean? like, but <laughs> T-shirt I warrior, very, right? you know, you, yeah, you know, I was I was I was very, you know, I was very physically gifted. That doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I don't want to make make it seem like that's bragging. Because I don't feel like it is, man. I didn't accomplish the things I, I certainly was capable of accomplishing because I was a coward, you know. So yeah, you know. But you know, if you if you practice with me, you know, if you ask anybody from my team back then, they'll tell you the same thing. No, you know, I, I, I used to that. get that. You know, yeah. I used to get that question all the time. How come you're not doing better? You know, what's going on? And it was like, and at the end, Dwayne just kind of just kind of stopped paying attention to me. I was I was a total jerk in the room, you know what I mean? I was just full of myself and and I was a wimp. And so I back then I resented it. Now I totally understand. So but you've been on both sides of it now. So yeah, and I, I you know I was Dwayne's boy when I first got there. I mean we we were we were drilling together. We wrestled together two or three days a week. I mean he was instrumental in my growth. And then when I started fading, um, you know he he kind of rightly gave up on me so yeah i get it yeah so, so i i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to come across like i'm bragging that no I'm, I'm trying to be as realistic as possible i try to be that way with my wrestlers and no that was yeah, one of the uh, things that really so. struck me about you was it didn't feel like bragging you know okay. it's it's like no 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 i mean and you and i have talked i mean i get it yeah, we've talked a yeah. hundred times before we did this interview i mean you know, right. you were doing your thing and I didn't have a podcast and we were friends. You know, right. it, it, it's I, I think it's it's weird. Like it's like kind of somebody saying, yeah, I got a 34 on the ACT, but honestly, I'm just good at filling in the dots. You know, like right. like, you know, and, and, you know, the person really believes that they just they kind of say, yeah, I was fortunate. I worked a little bit hard at it, but I don't think this makes me better than somebody else. And I that's the part I've always thought about. He's like, yeah, I was talented. I did win some big matches, but I don't think it makes me better than anybody else. And I wish I had 
taken more advantage of my talent. That that's how right. I've I've always received it from you. So yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. So after college, how did you get started in coaching? Well, when I was done, um, great great story. I was sitting there with my buddies on the couch playing. After I was done as a kind of a failure in college wrestling, I was in a kind of a dark place. I was playing cards with my uh, with my my buddies, and we had had a few pops. And I said, "Don't guys, I'm in a bad spot. Don't let me make any life decisions <laughs> for a long time." I got a, about 15 minutes later, I got a phone call. I went in the back, talked to Niall Collins, who was the head coach at Oak Park at the time, was one of my high school coaches. And he's like a father figure to me now, but he said, we want you back. And I came from the back room. And I said, guys, I'm going to coach at Oak Park next year. And they said, wait a second. You just told us, don't do this. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it was, you know, it was probably the best irrational decision I ever made. So. When you have really serious love for that school, because that's where you're from, right? Yes, and I, it's a very unique place. You know, it's very, um, it's racially and socioeconomically diverse. You know, it's progressive. There's Oak Park's just a really kind of neat town, and um, so the you know being able to get back and work with kids that were, um, you know, from our, our hometown and, and take. You know, I'm a very loyal person, so. Um, I really just couldn't say no to Niall Collins. I kind of wanted to. I just couldn't say no to him. So, and in hindsight, you're glad you didn't. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, I don't know. I, I probably would have moved out west. I was kind of a mountain man, and I probably would have been a mountain biker, or you know, doing one of those some some a little bit more adventurous. But I came back here. I ended up dating my wife, and and I've got a pretty awesome wife now. So it's uh, you know, and obviously my my coaching career has been you know, really rewarding. So. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your coaching career. First of all, name some of the people that you've coached that we would know. And I'll start with just a few guys that, you know, I have the pleasure of knowing and meeting, you know, I, I met the Dardanes brothers, Ellis Coleman, uh, you know, Sammy Brooks just won U 23s, but, but bring, you know, mention a lot of these other guys. Cause I know a lot more of them, you know, the floor is yours. Who are some of the guys you've coached? Well, so some of the Isaiah White is going to be uh, Nebraska's, assuming he stays healthy and eligible. He's going to be Nebraska's 165 pounder. He's probably the best folk style. He's maybe he's probably the best wrestler I've ever coached. So wow! Uh, right now, I think Flo has him eighth in the Big Ten, and uh, that's not the case. So yeah. <laughs> the people who don't know his name will know his name quickly. He's he is he's a thoroughbred. I mean, he's a unique unique. Trend, I mean, like generational talent. Um, now his, his life's gotten in the way a little bit, but he's really, he's really honing in on his grades and, and making sure he's disciplined. And if that's the case and, and he can just kind of wrestle, he's going to be a pretty special guy in the NCAs and beyond. I think he's probably a better freestyler than he is a folk styler. So, wow. Uh, there's him. Jay Renteria is also at, at Nebraska. Yeah. He was, he was a star for us. Um, Alex Magical is an old Dominion. 133 pound national qualifier last year. Gabe Townsville was two and two, beat Connor Utsi as a true freshman at 125 for Stanford last year. Um, there's a guy named Michael Wolf who was the NCAA pins leader until his teammate pinned Sammy Brooks in the All American round <laughs> at the uh, NCAs, but he was a 197 pound national qualifier. His name's Michael Wolf. Um, the guy that beat the three, the guy that beat Vic Avery from Buffalo a couple of years ago is a kid named Joey Ariola. He's one of our guys. Um, so Pete Kowalczyk, who's a two-time world, university world, Greco bronze medalist, junior national champ, university champ. Uh, obviously Ellis, his brother Greedy. Yeah. Um, we've, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing out. Kamal Bay is an Oak Park kid. Obviously he's unbelievable. Yeah. So he and Kamal's a great phenomenal story. He's, he's, you know, He's one of those guys we didn't know which way he was going, and now he is just living a great life. He's living a life of discipline and hard work, and it's paying off. He's a, he's probably the best athlete I've ever been around. So there's a bunch of those guys. So, you know, um, obviously Sammy and the Twins were, were great. But there's a bunch of kind of second-tier guys that went on to wrestling college that people don't really know but have done well. So yeah. I think Flo did a thing the other day where they put out um, all the world medalists from, 
from the last 10 years, they missed Pete Kowalczyk, but Oak Park had four at all levels, cadet, junior, and senior level. We never had a senior level medal. Well, and I actually, we actually had Pete Kowalczyk signed at Merrimack, and then he goes and wins Fargo. And, right. And, oh, that's right. And leaves us for Northern Michigan. And if he's on our <laughs> team, right. we win nationals that year. <laughs> so, sorry. 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 Yeah, and he actually wrestled a buddy of mine, Elijah Madison, in the finals. So, yeah. yeah. That so, was a great match. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you guys have had a, a ton of studs. Um, and, you know, you know, a couple – I mean, I know Larry Early was there as well. And, yeah, Larry – Matt Rendell was – I think he was fourth or fifth in the Ironman. Was a state champ for us. He wrestled at North Carolina. We've had a, I mean, we've had a bunch of guys that uh, that have done pretty pretty darn well. So. Yeah, yeah. So in 2013 and tw- or 2013, 14 and 2014, 15, in the three national high school polls, you were number one one year in one of them, and the other year in two of them. So I've talked to you this off air, but tell me a little bit about that experience. It was interesting, you know, it was um, at that point we had so many good kids on the team. It was more like being a professional manager than it was being a wrestling coach. You know, it's just about getting the kids, making sure everybody, all the ducks were in a row and we could put our full lineup out and guys were healthy and in shape because uh, they knew how to wrestle. You know, we, we got lucky with quite a few move-ins. Obviously, I think guys got much better under our, our guidance, but uh, – sure. Um, you know, so, uh, but it was, it was interesting. It was, um, it was, it was different than a regular coaching experience. And I think, um, maybe even less rewarding in some ways in that you're not, you know, you're not taking the kid for, I mean, obviously Alex Magical was like 170 pounds and then found his love for wrestling again when he came to Oak Park and made 113 and was, you know, placed in the state tournament for us. And that was unbelievable, you know, but, Usually you have more of those stories where that, where when it's like that, it's just kind of like super high expectations, managing big personalities and, you know, that type of thing. So it's, I think, you know, like it from, for years at Merrimack, we'd have like one, two, maybe three All Americans in a good year, but we would take all these kids that maybe took fourth at state and get them on the podium. And that was kind of the journey we were used to. And then, we actually recruited really hard and had some of the studs that are similar to like the guys you had. And I always joke, some of those kids, your job is just to keep them in class and make sure they don't lose their iPod on Saturday, you know? And it's a weird reward. You know, like we had guys that were really good, like Jamel Jones, Deron Wynn. I think those are names people would know. Those guys, those guys were going to win nationals, whatever junior college they went to. I'd be the first one to say that out loud. I mean, I think we helped them improve. But I feel like our job was to help them more as young men than as wrestlers. And then- yeah, and that yes, I would say the exact same thing about our guys. And you love those guys, but to be honest with you, it gets tired. It gets tiresome chasing them around. <laughs> so they're they're it, good uh, examples in the sense that okay, like you know, for the kids that weren't as good, that I mean, I get to work out with Duran and Jamel and you know these other guys. And but it's different. The journey's different. Like we had a kid that never won, never made the state finals, and took fifth at nationals. And you know his older brothers had all been state champions, and now he gets to hold that over their head for the rest of their life. You know, right? You know, and I I remember telling him that right before he he in his blood round match, I'm like, you are going to own your brothers for the rest of your life. You know, this is going to (laughs) be awesome. You know, yeah. Yeah. The the journey there is different, I think. You know, and as a coach. I think as a coach, you remember the journey. I think I, I shouldn't speak for you, but for me, I remember the journeys. I remember guys that were going to quit and stuck it out. Like, you, you know, I didn't have a kid that. that yes, that's kind of, that's kind of, so that's kind of what I'm getting at. I mean, it was, there was a time that Isaiah White exhausted me so much that I was just like, oh my God, I can't wait till this guy graduates. But now that he's made it and he's at Nebraska, it was all, it was all worth it. Right. So he's a great, he's kind of a mix of those two. But there's a whole bunch of guys. We had a kid who was third in the state last year who, before he walked out, he had the best state tournament I've ever seen of any kid I've ever coached, hands down. <laughs> we were just happy he was there. And all of a sudden, he's wrestling for third at a stacked weight. Beat a Michigan, beat a guy that was committed to Michigan in the semifinal wrestlebacks. I mean, it was just like, what is it? What happened to this kid? And, and before his, before his third place match, I said, you got one more in you? And he looked at me and he said, this one's for the family. 
who we, you know, we call it the Husky Wrestling Family. And I like immediately just started crying. Goosebumps, you know, like, right? Yeah. Yeah. This guy's been with us since he was seven years old. And, uh, you know, so those, I guess it's, it's just a different type of reward and just kind of a different type of journey. But, you know, nobody ever hears those stories, but they're so, they're so powerful. And those are the ones, not that I don't remember Isaiah White. I mean, of course. Traded, yeah. you know, his yeah. kids like family to me, but I mean, his, his family will be at my house for Thanksgiving in 20 years, you know, but. But, um, but those but kids it, but were, were going to win. They were going to win. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He, yes. I mean, he's a freak of nature. He's tougher than males. You know, he works his butt off. So. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, it was the same with Kamal. You know, looking at Kamal Bay now, you hope you had a little bit of influence. You know, we almost kind of pushed him out west because we were scared he was going to get in trouble. And and TC Danzer got a hold of him. And, uh, you know, he got the right mentoring and the right things worked out. And now you're like, oh, man. And we didn't know if we were helping him make the right decision. And, you know, there is, there, it, it was just like, but now it was worth it. And there was, I mean, there was times where like, I mean, Kamal and I were button heads, like you can't believe, you know what I mean? So um, it's just a different type of reward, but that grassroots stuff, like you said, that, that the kid that wins the blood round um, and you know, he just earned it through just grit and showing up yeah, every day. Yeah. You know, and not, not being super talented, just being good. Yes. Yeah. It's a, yeah. So it's different. You know, there's no expectations there. There's, it's just about kind of teaching the lessons of wrestling rather than, than about winning, you know? Right. So, and I, and, and I created that team, you know, I, I, you know, I say we should say we did. Obviously, you know, we won state, and I sat down with the coaches the following week, and I said, "Okay, when are we going to win the nationals? You know, how are we going to do this?" And uh, so, obviously, you know, we got there. But it turns out that coaching is coaching. Yeah. And uh, you know, getting a kid with two left feet to win the regionals uh, is just as rewarding as getting a kid to win three state titles. So. Yeah, and Illinois, for people that don't know, they don't keep team score at the individual tournament. The team champion is decided in dual meets, and Andy Hamilton and I have talked about this ad nauseum, but in tournaments, your best guys decide who wins, and in dual meets, yeah. your worst guys decide who wins. So I think I think we've been top three in the Illinois State Tournament 10, ten out of the last 11 years, and or nine out of the last 10 years, something like that. And we would have won seven or eight of them and we've only won four teams. So it's a different four team, uh, um, dual team title. So yeah. it's a different, it's a totally different ball game for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So one of the things that I know about you is that the importance of strength training and being strong and, I know that's a core value to really your coaching and really your life philosophy. So where did that come from and why do you feel that that's so critical to being successful? Well, I think it was kind of manufactured by the whole having a muscle wasting disease. <laughs> but, um, well, I think it was that know, way I, before you had it though, right? I was, you know, I, I really enjoyed like, um, what's that? Uh, the salmon ladder. What's that? What's that? TV program where they, where they do those kind of feats of athleticism and strength. Um, you know, I really enjoyed that type of, so what is that called? Uh, you know, they do the obstacle course. Oh yeah. 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 So, yeah. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I loved, I loved that stuff. I loved weightlifting. You know, I loved having pull-up contests and seeing who could climb this tree the fastest or, you know, so I was, I took a lot of pride in my physicality when I was young. So yes, it, that certainly was part of my lifestyle. You know, I loved being outdoors and mountain biking and climbing and doing all that stuff. So, um, it was definitely, it's definitely been part of my persona. And I was, you know, I was, when I was like five years old, I could do like 20 chin-ups. You know? So it, you, you kind of grow up identifying yourself as that guy. So. Yeah. That was, and then the whole muscle thing came and, and, uh, you know, the irony was, was pretty thick. So, um, you know, I think it became even a bigger thing, but I certainly believe you can win a lot of wrestling matches if you're physically strong. And I, you know, and I really believe in teaching kids to love weightlifting because it's something they can do for their whole lives to stay in shape. And, um, you know, we kind of model our weightlifting and our strength stuff after Ohio State, who I think is, has to be the strongest team in the country. Um, so when when they were recruiting Isaiah White, I would ask Tom Ryan questions about their strength stuff, you know, to the ad nauseum. <laughs> and at one point, our our head coach Paul Collins reached out to their strength coach, and he gave us their whole strength plan. 
promised promised uh made us promise not to share it but that's basically what we've been doing ever since so yeah, yeah. we got some guys that are you know, our 160 pounder i think power cleaned and pressed 245 four times the other day so we take <laughs> we take a lot of his kids a hoss so. yeah He's gonna be he's gonna be one of those great stories. Yeah, he, he was a terrible wrestler when he got to high school, and he's gonna be he'll be special. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think and I think he's gonna do even better in college. So, but he's stronger than sin. You grab his leg, he rips it out of your arms. So yeah, it's hard to be a guy that's really strong. It really is. Yeah, I coached a guy one time who would just you know pick up a leg with one you know with one arm, and I was working. I go you know hey stud, you probably need to put two hands on that. You know, one guy's, you know, his leg is stronger than your arm. And he's a really yep. sweet kid. And he goes, I don't think so, coach. You know, <laughs> like, and it wasn't well, being disrespectful. He just, you know. That's his, it. I mean, when Logan Stever gets your legs, his head can be down. He can be completely bad position. But he's going to rip your legs in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, he's a freak. That's Isaiah White grabs your legs. Your legs collapse. So, you know, it's a, you know, you can say what you want about technique and training and all that stuff. If you don't, if you're strong enough, it makes up for a lot. You look at a guy, you know, you look at Zane Rutherford's arms. They're as long as a man who weighs 50 pounds more than him and they're stronger yeah. than most people's legs. Yeah. So, yeah. I think the show you were talking about was an American Ninja Warrior. I think. American American Ninja Warrior. That's it. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. I just that kind of stuff bugs me if we don't figure that out. So that, that, <laughs> if, that, if that was around when I graduated e college, I would have been all over it. Yeah, I, so. I I've I've actually thought that about you. <laughs> like, like back in your prime, you'd have been doing that for sure. So to to jump, there's no real easy segue to this, but. You know, I was I, full disclosure in fall of 2008, you brought the Dardane brothers and Ellis Coleman down to our place. And that's where I really first met you. We had Greedy Coleman on the team and he was actually super helpful in, in talking to you and bringing those kids down. And then the next year, you actually had the symptoms of this, but you were actually diagnosed. And I want to pronounce it right. Polymyositis. In two polymyositis, correct. And in, in two thousand and nine, and you know, I remember, you know, I'm sure thousands of us were talking to you then, and you know, trying to do what we could to be friends. But what exactly is it? How did you find out you had it? And you know, what can be done to treat it? And how are you now? That's a lot of questions. But let's start with what exactly is it? So it's an autoimmune disease similar to like lupus or um, rheumatoid arthritis, it's, you know, kind of the sister disease of those. And, uh, it basically your, your immune system thinks your disease, your muscle is diseased, so it attacks it and breaks it down. So when you stop growing, just a muscle cell is just like a brain cell. You start, you basically, sorry to be morbid, but you basically start dying. So you start. You develop muscle, you keep building muscle cells, they keep growing, and then when you stop growing, your muscle cells start slowly dying, just like your brain cells. It's the reason people become forgetful or because why old people just don't have as much muscle as younger people. So at that point, um, you know, you, you just start losing muscle cells. Well, my, I'm kind of just, my muscles are going away at a much quicker rate, so... Uh, that's kind of the easiest analogy is you see a person who's getting old. I'm just getting old a lot quicker and, uh, um, I'm doing pretty well now. I'm stabilized. I was super, super sick when I first got diagnosed, but yeah. And I saw um, that like the TV shows that when the kid jumped into your arms and you know, you fell down or almost fell down, you know, know, Sammy Brooks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. And, and I know we spoke off air, like even when you were working out with us that you started feeling, you know, and you're, you were in great shape, but you're getting tired. You know, and you wouldn't yeah, get tired. Yeah, and I was, yeah, I thought I was just getting old. And for a couple of years, I had the disease for probably at least two years before I before I knew I had it because I, it, I just kind of had it was just kind of mild. I was just kind of weak at the end of the wrestling season. Then it would come back, and I would start lifting again, and my muscle, you know, I get stronger again. But my fatigue, I would fatigue. Like I was out backpacking the summer before, and I was like, man, I, why are my legs feel so heavy? Like I thought I was in pretty good shape. So. You know, things like that when I was, you know, you know, actually I was wrestling a lot. I'd go against Deron Wynn. 
And I was like, man, I, I just lost a step. I was like, man, you know, so. I he, think made, I actually, he made a lot I of guys I, feel like they lost a step, oh, to be oh, sure. Oh, hold on. I think I did take him down. I think I did take him down. But I opted not to wrestle in his group again. Because <laughs> well, he made me really work for it. I was like, you know, I got, I had underhooks. I just couldn't lift them up. And it was just weird. It was like things that I could always do. I just, so now I'm kind of, now I'm kind of stabilized and, um, I'm very grateful to be that way. You know, I didn't know what, what my future looked like, but you know, I'm, I'm, my muscles are wasting weight about three or four times the rate of a normal human now. So, um, luckily I was in good shape and very muscular when I, you know, when it, when it struck. And so I've been able to, you know, I can still carry my kid around. I can still throw a ball a little bit. I play golf. You know, I can't really do much else, but, and I hit, I can only hit the ball about 150 yards, but, um, that's probably, it's probably technique as much as it is strength, but, um, <laughs> man, is that a humbling game, but. It's the uh, opposite mentality of wrestling. Oh, I I'm so, I'm so bad. My dad's like a five handicap. He's 73. He shoots his age every other week, and I go out and he beats me by twenty strokes, out drives me by forty yards. So I have clients like that; they get within one hundred and fifty yards, and you just tell them to pick it up and add two. Yeah, that's, exactly <laughs> you know. that's it. So, um, so we're we're uh, yeah. Anyways, I, I'm, I've I've active disease, but I'm in a pretty good spot. You know, my it basically makes you feel. Like you have the flu for the rest of your life. So it's kind of drab to say that, but. It's that exhausting? Yeah, you know, you know, so you feel like when you're cutting weight. Yeah. And you're walking stairs and you're just like, ugh. It's just kind of how I feel all the time. Or when you have the flu and you just body aches all the time. So, you know, it's just kind of how you feel. Now that said, your body and your mind adapt and they call it a new normal. You know, yeah, you have a new yeah. kind of barometer for what feels good and what doesn't. I don't remember what it feels like to feel like a normal person. I probably never will. And uh, it kind of sucks to say that, but it's true. And, and um, um, you know, I like talking about it because I think um, the disease is something that people don't, you know, autoimmune diseases in general, are people don't understand them. You, you don't look at me and think I'm sick, you know, so. Um, I think it's good to get a build awareness and get it out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the same thing, but about four or five years ago, I helped do a charity event for post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's the same thing. You know, you don't look at somebody and know they went through something traumatic, you know, and you don't look at you right. and think, oh, that guy's definitely sick and feels like he has the flu a hundred percent of the time. You right. know? So they don't get the necessary publicity and, and a lot of times the help that, that they yep. need. Yeah. yeah. You just kind of sit there and suffer quietly. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the philosophies or slogans that you have is, is called relentless pursuit. And I remember um, we were texting right after you had your son and, and I, I, you know, said, you know, Hey, how about relentless love? And, uh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So tell me what relentless pursuit means to you. Well, it's, cha- you know, it's changed over the years. So when I first came up with the slogan, I, I had started an email list for all our parents and alumni and everything when I was first a head coach. And I was looking for something to catch, uh, you know, to sign my name as, and it just kind of caught on. But at the time, I really was relentlessly pursuing um, building a wrestling program. And, um, you know, I gave up a lot of things. I spent a lot of time my first couple of years as a head coach. I mean, I coached, you know, 51 weeks a year, nonstop. We, you know, we, we worked out Sundays. We, I mean, you know, we had, I remember the first high school dead period I had found out about was maybe my second year of high school. I didn't even know what it was, but then I was like, wait a second, you mean every other team's got to take a week off? Well, we're going to work out twice a day. So we did two a days. We did 14 workouts because I figured we could gain that much on everybody else. So obviously that uh, was breaking the rules then, but I was young and naive. But, you know, that's what that kind of meant back then, just having, you know, an abundance of energy and throwing it all in the direction of being great at something. Uh, and now it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit different, a little bit more about um, you know, it's a little bit more about 
being disciplined and 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 directing your life and in your pursuit of things uh, a little bit differently. So I'm not quite as relentless, but uh, I think maybe a disciplined pursuit might be a better uh, um, slogan for me now. But you know that's kind of where it yeah. originated and and. Uh, so from you know I I'm a big I'm a big believer in in do if you're going to do something do it right. It's one of the things I learned about wrestling is that you know my wrestling career ended and I uh I just I had such an empty feeling cuz there's so much that I could have done that I didn't and uh you know I promised myself I'd never do that again. So I keep my arenas pretty small and I and I try to be excellent at them. And that's the kind of relentless part. And that's what I try to sell my kids. You know, you can you can do 15 different things, activities, and be average at all of them. Right. Or you could do one or two things and be outstanding. And, uh, you know, the curve of reward really is exponential in terms of, of, you know, how much more you gain from something when you're excellent at it. So your your philosophy or your reaction to your career is very similar to Chance Leonard who I had on the show 2 weeks ago who okay. you know had some injuries during his during his college career and has gone on to really really high levels of success in business and he said you know he threw himself completely into that and then the same thing about this this movie he's doing to celebrate wrestling about Perry Oklahoma so it's interesting nice. that people take in their mind you know, failure, lack of success, and are able to turn it around and make themselves successful, you know, in another, you know, either another pursuit, even if it's wrestling or not wrestling, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I think and you learn it from wrestling. That's, exa- that's, yeah. amen. That's what he said. You know, the lessons yeah. I learned in wrestling are what made me successful in business. And yeah, and the hardest lessons, and, and that's the, that's the catch of it. You want to make, you want, you want to be able to be humble and self-reflective enough to uh, to really learn those lessons. You know, I, I tell the kids all the time, winners make adjustments. And, uh, you know, I had some adjustments I had to make when, when my wrestling career was over, and I was finally man enough to admit that it was a failure in my eyes because of myself and not because of my coaches or injuries or anything else. It was not me. And so then it was time to, you know, make some adjustments and um, do things differently going forward. And it's the greatest lesson, you know, wrestling can teach you is that kind of humility and self-reflective piece. So, yeah, and not to mention the hard work part. No, obviously, you know, obviously that's a given. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So it, it wasn't hard for me to get up at four in the morning and ride my bike from the north side of the city and, you know, outwork everybody at the high school. They had never been through you know, two a days over Christmas break when all the friend, all your friends are at home partying. You know, right? So, you know, it's, that stuff's easy once you're once you're a wrestler. So yeah, and I think people that never wrestle can't get their head wrapped around that. But you're right. No. Yeah, it's just part of the culture we're indoctrinated into. So recently, you had, and I had to get this title right: the Relentless Pursuit Stud Combine, which I love <laughs> the title. Let's let's yeah. not be humble here. We're just going to bring in the best guys. So. Um, I heard about it because actually a bunch of my guys from CBC, let me give a shout out to Cornell Robinson and Josh Saunders and Malik Johnson and, and, uh, Sevian Severado and all those guys were all up there. Um, they loved it. So tell me about it. How is it? How does it work? How is it a little bit different, you know, from typical camps? Um, well, so the, everybody's having a combine these days, uh, pretty much based on ours. I think we're the first people to call it a combine. Um, I think the difference is we really go after good kids. It's, it's not a, it's a money maker for us. It's a big fundraiser for us, but I don't make my living on wrestling. You know, I think, you know, I married well and uh, don't need any dough. So <laughs> we, we, I do this because we brought in four, really five really good assistant coaches this year. Um, we need some young energy. We need some guys that can get on the mat and uh, we need some dough to pay these guys. So we brought it back from Poeta did it for a year, but we brought it back. And, and we, um, you know, we, 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 we make sure it's a high quality product. So I feel like the other ones, I don't know for sure, but I feel like they're a little bit watered down and a little bit more about making money. Um, and ours is, I want to make sure that we get Cornell's guys. We get to get, you know, the LaSalle, Ohio guys were there and those guys, those kids are good. Yeah. Um, so, um, 
you know, so we're in, we're in a pretty pretty good spot because we've because of our reputation nationally and the relationships we've built um, you know, with guys like Cornell to to bring in some really really good kids. So, and we had about 115 kids there. And there's probably 80 of them are going to win state this year. You know, maybe 70. <laughs> of them, you know, so and we had yeah. some great school. You know, we had some great schools come through. And you know, we same thing. We have relationships with colleges because we've had a lot of guys get recruited over the years. So we've developed some friendships and some real good relationships. And so um, it was good. You know, and we brought Joey Dance came in and showed what. Joey Dance does just about better than anybody else. And Zach Brunson came in, and he's the same way. Like, Brunson won all of his wrestling matches with the same, like, four techniques. And he's, the, you know, he's incredible at them. So I shouldn't say that. The guy knows a lot of wrestling. But yeah. he's incredibly good. So they did the first day, do an hour of technique, and then we just we just bang for about 45 minutes or an hour. And the kids really scrap. So, and you know, it's, it's a, it's a fresh look. It's a, it's a different place. So you're really, and you know, college coaches are looking at you. So these kids are really going hard. Sure. And then, and then the the second day we invited Metcalf to come because, you know, we want to, we want to help, you know, Iowa State get back to prominence. And if we can in any way kind of get him in front of a bunch of studs, obviously we paid him, but, yeah. um, you know, that, you know, that seems like an exciting kind of new yeah. life of that program. And so if we could, if we could put them in front of some people, maybe they can pull some guys too. So, um, Metcalf was awesome. He's super high energy, teaches great stuff. So it was, it was a really neat weekend of wrestling. It's, a, it's easily the best event we put on and it's pretty, pretty darn cool. So. Yeah. Well, I'm actually having Metcalf and St. John on the podcast next week. I'm going to be, nice. I'm going to be at their agony and aims. Um, I'm actually, I think one of the guys I'm helping coach is wrestling one of your guys. Uh, Who's that? Sevian Severado is wrestling one of your guys, I think, or at least an Illinois kid. Dominic? Uh, Zacone? Yeah. Oh, he did tell me that. Yeah, he, he trains with us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's an awesome, he's an awesome kid. Yeah. Awesome kid. Yeah, he's, he was, I was pumping him to the college coaches. He's going to get a lot of calls this week, I think, so. I think that's the beauty of, you know, one of the maybe tangents of your combine that people maybe don't understand is that, you know, I think you and I have worked very hard to have a, a good network in the wrestling community. Right. Um, and when you do have a network, and one of the things I always liked about when I called you about recruiting was you never lied about your guys. You never right. lied about any of your guys. And even the guys that weren't yours, you're like, hey, this kid's really a good kid. People don't know, but this is his backstory. And another one is, hey, you know, I'm just telling you, you might want to avoid this kid, you know, because right. of X, Y, and Z. Um, and so when you get a reputation for, A, knowing what's going on, and, B, being honest about it, when you have good kids, you can really promote them, and it really matters. So – um, I think that if kids can get to your, if they, if they're interested, how do they contact you if they want to come to that the next time? Well, every year it's a lot of work. So every year I say, I'm not doing this again next year, but, um, we'll see if we're going to, my, my email is on our website, littlehuskieswrestling.org. And, uh, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of just about everybody in the wrestling community has my cell phone. So. Um, they just, and I have, and I, and I get, you know, I probably get 20 random contacts when we're starting to, we promote it. It's a USA wrestling event. So it's public. It's open to the public. Um, we just don't over promote it because I want to make sure that we get our guys and the guys from let's say all the guys from, you know what I mean? The, the yeah. programs that we're friends with, we want to make sure that their kids get an opportunity to get in, but it is open to the public. So, um, but you know, we get it up. We were, it was, on our website for six weeks before uh, we had to shut it down because it got too big. So, and that's my thing is I try to get try to get our guys in and get them signed up before. But there was probably twenty kids that I didn't know there who just randomly signed up. Cool, that's awesome. Yeah, and it's nice because then you're like, hey, where are you from? You know, this kid out of I think he's a junior out of Mundelein, Illinois. I'm like, this kid's pounding guys. Who you know, who are you? He goes, hey, and he wrestled the kid I was mentioning before. Got third in the state. He wrestled him in the opening round of the state tournament last year. And uh, I said, that's all right. I, I knew I've seen you before, but this kid's put on some muscle, and he's going to be a hoss. So you know, I, I immediately went to the college coaches and said, hey, keep an eye on that kid. He is a physical specimen, and he's working his tail off. Okay, coach. Well, you know, what's his name? So, yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's great stuff. So besides doing the combine, 
what are you what are you doing these days and what are your I know we talked a little bit your long term goals in wrestling are are shifting a little bit. So what what's what's in the future for Mike Powell? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. You know, obviously I love coaching wrestling, but I think I'm going to start transitioning toward our kids program a little bit more. I'm involved with the preseason with them. And, uh, you know, we, Topher Carton is full time with us now. And he is, I keep telling, I keep saying the same thing, but it's true. He reminds me of me, uh, without all the emotional baggage. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, he's just a dynamite kid. He's got, he's a great technician. He's the kids love him. I mean, they'd rather be coached by him than me at this point. I'm an old fart. I can barely move. You know what I mean? We we were, we were all at the airport coming back from the journeyman, and he, and I I'm sitting there. He's he's playing like Minecraft or you know one of these silly yeah, games. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, Topher, you should be reading the news. <laughs> but his kid's 23 years old. He's a lot closer to their age than he is mine. So. You know, it's, it's a young man's game. And so it's, you know, and our, we lost a great, a great kids club coach. And so we're, there's kind of a void. So I think I'm going to start transitioning to our kids club. Uh, but I've also joined the, the board of Beat the Street Chicago. And I think there is, uh, you know, unlimited, uh, opportunity for growth. And, uh, you know, you, you read the news about what's going on in the streets of Chicago right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, we got to get some of those off, some of those kids off them. We got to get them into this, you know, what I think is the greatest vehicle for a young man to change his life. Um, and to develop discipline and work ethic. You know, I think wrestling is different than any other, any other sport or activity out there in that regard. So I think we can have a really big, I'm getting it. I'm, I'm super excited about that opportunity. And, um, you know, got some new guys on the board and some guys are excited and we're going to do some fundraising and, and really try to build that program. So, you know, my hope is, uh, now that I'm kind of in my elder years, I'm 41. Don't, you're not, so, allowed, you're not allowed to say that to me, Paul. You're only <laughs> well, allowed to say that to remember, people younger than you. So. Remember that. It, it, my, for me, the, it's ever present that, that I'm probably not going to live till I'm 80. Uh, fair and, enough. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. You know, I've got a two and a half year old son. And I want him to know that his father, you know, you know, worked for the greater good and was a man of service. And, uh, so being part of Beat the Streets is, is, you know, a little bit selfish in that I really want, I really want to, I really want to, I really want to leave him, uh, a legacy before, yeah. before I go, you know, and I want my son to be able to see that. And, uh, you know, so there's definitely some altruism there where I believe in working for the greater good, but some of it's a little bit selfish too. So, um, you know, uh, but either way, it's a great opportunity to, to, you know, build the sport of wrestling in Chicago. And there are some studs walking those streets who, uh, you know, who really could get, you know, get on board and, and, and have a life changing experience. For sure. And for somebody who's done a couple charity events with wrestling that, you know, the border brawl events where we've been able to give money to, to veterans with amputations, you work hard, but the rewards are tenfold in, you know, what right. you get back. So um, I, I know you will kill that. Um well, we'll, we'll see. I'm just uh, one of nine board members and we got a long ways to go, but. Uh, we're we're gonna build it, I think. So yeah. Bef- before we go, and you're a pro, you got me right at one hour, so it's like you actually knew what we were doing. Um, I want to give you a chance. Um, you know, I like I said, we've been friends a long time, and I know in your yeah. your dark hours that your wife was a rock for you. So I want to give you a chance just to give her a shout out and say whatever you want about you know how she was there for you. Well, she is uh, still is the rock for me. Um, probably the toughest, single toughest human I've ever known intimately. And, uh, you know, she's, uh, she's a grinder, man. She's, she's got, uh, a wrestler's, uh, mind and spirit. Like, in fact, had I had her, if I had her toughness, I would have been probably a far more successful wrestler. So she's, uh, my wife is, uh, she's really a special person and I, and I really count myself amongst the luckiest men on earth. So. Um, it's great. She's a wonderful mother. She's a wonderful wife and, uh, she's perfect for me. She's as tough as nails. Like I tell people, it's kind of like being married to a dude. Uh, it doesn't you know, sound like called, a compliment, Mike. She calls me on my stuff. <laughs> well, you know, she's just not one of these, you know, she cries like once every other year. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's just, she's just, she's, we're, we're perfect for each other in that, uh, um, you know, expectations for being 
um, accountable and and uh, present and everything else are high. And uh, when I become the the jerk that I that I can become, I get called to the to the table, and and uh, I need that. You know, and I think she needs that. And uh, so it's a it's a it's a great marriage of marriage, I guess. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for letting me brag about her. She's uh, I know she's she definitely de- my life hero. So. I know she deserves it. So yes, she does. Yeah, I got a lot of love and respect for you, Mike, and just how you live your life and really how much you give back to the kids. I also want to thank you for all the help you've given us uh, with phone numbers and helping me with border brawl and helping get Renneria and, and Austin O'Connor down here this last time. Um, yeah. I would wish you all the best, but I know you're going to succeed in your, <laughs> in your, Thanks, <laughs> in your relentless pursuit of excellence, man. So God bless. Thank you so much well, for coming on the show. Dave, I, I, I would say the same to you about your service to the sport and uh, your involvement. And, uh, and I'm, I'm lucky to count you as a friend, man. I appreciate you inviting me on. No, it's my pleasure. And I know the the fans are going to love it. So ladies and gentlemen, that was Mike Powell, Hall of Famer. This is David Maricatani with Matt Chat. We'll speak to you all next week. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.